To support our work at the Izzy and Murtada Picture Show and the work of other independent creators like us, sign up to listen to the podcast on Nebula. Nebula is the creator-owned streaming platform that hosts great videos and podcasts like the one you're listening to now. Sign up today at nebula.tv slash picture show and you will get access to this podcast plus other great podcasts and videos. Sign up for Nebula and help support independent media creators. That's nebula.tv slash picture show. Hi, I'm Mortada. And I'm Izzy. And this is the Izzy and Mortada Picture Show. This is our last episode in June. So for all our gay and queer listeners and friends out there, happy Pride. If you're in New York, happy um, Pride weekend. Because it's um, we are recording this on Wednesday. So the weekend is not yet here. But you will listen to this next Tuesday at the earliest. So the weekend has passed. So if you're a New Yorker, would love to know what you did for Pride Weekend. Izzy, do you have any Pride Weekend event um, plans? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what am I doing this weekend? Um, I actually don't think I have any. Oh, you know what I am doing? I'm seeing Light in the Piazza. Oh, wow. Which Where is, is my favorite musical. Um, it's at New York City Center. They're oh, doing... Wow one of the like mini revivals and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I've never actually seen this musical live. I've only seen the recorded version mm. with Victoria Clark and of course have listened nonstop to the album. But um, yeah, I think it's my favorite musical. So I'm like pretty excited. I hope it's good. I yeah, can't imagine it won't be. That's really exciting and very queer to go watch <laughs> your favorite musical on Pride Weekend. Um, <laughs> I am also doing a theater thing. I am going to Shakespeare in the Park. I can't call it very gay, but it's um, it's a New York specific event that you can only have in New York, Shakespeare in the Park. So that's what there I'm doing for Pride Weekend. Although I was literally right before we started recording, I got an email inviting me to cover a circuit party that's happening this weekend in New York at Webster Hall. And uh, they're like, we'll have photographers if you want to come and cover it. I'm like, are you providing the party drugs? Like, what? what is this? What is this invitation to cover <laughs> your, your party? What does that mean? Hmm. Okay. I have no idea. I was like, I should actually respond to them and like only if you're providing the party drugs. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need an authentic experience. <laughs> Yes. Uh, anyway, wishing everyone a happy Pride. Um, and hopefully the Pride continues um, beyond June. It will definitely continue here at this show. We have some upcoming things that are coming in July that are very um, gay and queer, uh, including Barbie, which we will cover, and some interesting guests. But we are taking one week in July off. So if you're listening to this on July 4th, which is supposed to be our next episode, we're taking a break. We'll come back July 11th. Um, Woo. 
But to close off June, we're here to talk about Wes Anderson. We're here to talk about Wes Anderson's latest film, Asteroid City, which um, is now playing, I think, um, in more places. It was in just a few theaters last weekend, but this weekend should be in more theaters. So more of you hopefully have seen it or are planning to see it. It was very, very successful in its very limited release in the first weekend. Um, I saw so many headlines about Wes Anderson and box office, which you don't expect to see. But anyway, in limited release. I think you do, though. Isn't he like pretty reliable at the box office? In limited release. Like, you know, his movies don't make that much money. They're not blockbusters. But, you know, when he's in four, five, six, eight or whatever, he's, yeah, he's always like the per screen average box office king, Mm -hmm. I think we can call him. So I think we're both right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so this film, as usual, stars a plethora of movie stars. Um, some of them have acted with um, Wes Anderson many, many times, like Tilda Swinton and Adrian Brody and Willem Dafoe. Um, some of them are brand new to um, to Wes Anderson. Scarlett Johansson only had a voice role in Isle of Dogs. So this is her first live action and the big um, actor in this film, who has the biggest role, is Jason Schwartzman, who returns to being a lead in a Wes Anderson film for the first time since Rushmore, even though he has appeared in many, many Wes Anderson movies, maybe all of them. Um, um, so the movie is, as usual, it's a story within a story within a story, like the last couple um, Wes Anderson movies. It's very typical. Um, and it's about quirky characters, you know, somebody always has a prop, a camera, um, a notebook, a pen. They're all in these sumptuous sets wearing these eye-popping, colorful costumes. Every frame is a tableau come to life. And then the story is kind of like, eh, what is this about? Did you feel <laughs> that way? <laughs> um, I definitely felt that way. I want to read... Um... Paul Schrader's review of Asteroid City Mm. because I think it gets at something I'd love to talk about with you. Um, So Paul Schrader, avid Facebook fan, loves to post uh, his thoughts on latest (laughs) releases. And of course, they make their way to Twitter, which is where I found this one. Uh, He wrote, Asteroid City, the most Wes Anderson film Wes Anderson has made, and for that reason, the best. He has distilled his design-driven anti-empathy film style into its essence. It's hard to find a comparable film. And here's here's where he goes off the, the rails a little bit. The one that comes to mind is last year at Marion Bod. I'm heartened oh. to know. <laughs> I know. I'm heartened to know that it opened so well, though not quite sure why. Um, <laughs> so well. I think... Paul and I are on a similar page here, but not completely the same page. Um, I would agree. And I think my headline, if we're continuing on with that bit, would be this is the most Wes Anderson film, Wes Anderson film, or Wes Anderson has made. Mm-hmm. Um, but for that reason, I don't think it's the best. <laughs> um, <clears throat> because I think I think the the quirkiness was a little bit overwhelming for me. Yes. in in this film um and it was so packed with layers of like narrative threads and such a huge cast that i really felt like everything was sort of 
dispersed mm-hmm. so thinly and it made it hard for me to get invested in any specific storyline or character. Um, I, after I watched this, I was like, do I just not like Wes Anderson? <laughs> because, <laughs> Maybe. Um, but I like, don't have a, I don't have a feeling that I dislike him. Um, cause I always, I think generally have a, a pretty decent time watching his films, but then at the same time, I also think that he's kind of a filmmaker that does the opposite of most things that I really gravitate toward. Like he's usually, you know, pretty a semi apolitical, which is its own uh, thing. Totally apolitical. I don't um, think it's semi. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, I think that becomes its own politics in a way. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, he's not he's not very like gritty he's not very subversive he's and these sweet. are all the kinds of things yeah like it's very um and like youth oriented these aren't things that I really care about in most mm. cases but I always have a good time with him so I think with this one like because he's pushing all of those things to the limit it sort of like broke the barrier of where I can remain interested in it if that makes sense yeah, you've reached your limit with Wes Anderson. Is yeah, what like if it was too much <laughs> because it was the most Wes, it was the too much Wes for me. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you for the most part. I think you mentioned that, you know, there were too many characters, too many plot threads. And that is where my problem in the end, I think, landed with this film is that nothing really cohered for me. As the minute I'm interested in a plot thread or a performance or something someone is doing or even, um, you know, a, a frame that's full of color or something happens in the story, he immediately goes to something else. And so before I get to invest it or start to appreciate whatever it is he's showing me, you know, Adrian Brody and Hong Chao having a truthful moment about a marriage or this mm-hmm. alien coming down and everybody wearing um, these boxy boxes and and the, the the screen floods in green. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. It looks beautiful. And mm-hmm. can we enjoy this minute? We move to the next thing. Scarlett Johansson giving a really interesting performance. But I'm just like, what is this about? Like, and so any yeah. everything, there is, there's so many points that I'm interested in, but I'm never invested because it's just, it's so disparate. You just go, you get a minute and here and a minute there and you're moved to something else. And and then there are all these things that I don't care about. Like Brian Cranston is the narrator. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Why do we need that? <laughs> Margot Robbie in a completely <laughs> unnecessary cameo where she and Jason Schwartzman stand there and supposedly are giving these this touching performance as actors performing their characters. And I'm just like, I don't believe either of you get off the fucking screen. Um, so yeah. it's just too much. Some of it work and some completely doesn't work. Um, so I think my headline for this would be, I agree it is the most Wes Anderson of Wes Anderson, but I think my headline for this is familiarity breeds contempt because mm-hmm. this is so familiar, so a Wes Anderson movie, the all the threads, the plot that's everywhere, the gorgeous, sumptuous sets and costumes, the deadpan acting, the storytelling of like narrator or people standing straight, ramrod straight, looking at the camera, telling you a long story as a monologue, all of these things that we have seen so many times in Wes Anderson movies. And I think this time I'm just like, I don't care about this. Just just end. Uh, so yeah. 
contempt is is mostly what I felt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like for me, I I I can only come at you know criticizing a film from what I typically like find compelling about films, right? So like mm -hmm. with um. I love following and like breaking down a character and like what their specific habits are and what, what drives them like psychologically. And mm -hmm. because of the way this is written, you really can't do that with anyone. And if you are doing that, it's because they're telling you exactly what their hangups are. Mm. Right. So it's like, they're all isolated. There isn't really much like physically happening. So it's like, Everybody is telling you like, oh, well, here's the trauma I had with my mother. I think it's affecting me this way. And so you're <laughs> like, this constantly happens over and over and over throughout yeah. the film, which like typically I think can be a, actually a kind of a charming thing that happens in Wes Anderson's film. And I think mm -hmm. why um, his dialogue can be so um, fun in other cases. Um, but here, there wasn't enough going on and there were so many people that this had to happen over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So ultimately each character has like their thing and that's as deep as you get into knowing that. So it's like you have the character who's one of the little science cadets and mm -hmm. her thing is that she's obsessed with Scarlett Johansson and she's a fan, but because Scarlett Johansson of plays a movie star. Yes. But because of the way, like, so she gets maybe, I don't know, five minutes of screen time, but it's not like, be because of the way that Wes Anderson, like, asks his ask actors to act, it's like fandom that isn't really fanatic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's still deadpan. It's basically, like, very tame. And that's it. That's all we get to know about her. What do we know about Maya Hawke's character? nothing nothing we know that she's a teacher and she's pretty sweet and she has a crush on this cowboy who's also there and who we also know nothing about <laughs> so yes. it's sort of like what are we, what are we doing here why do we care i yeah. immediately went back to watch grand budapest hotel because i know a lot of people think that that's wes anderson's best film and i think the contrast is huge between asteroid city and Grand Budapest Hotel, and precisely for this reason, we spend so much time with Ray Fiennes, mm -hmm. understanding who he is, what his quirks are, what his habits are, what his biases are, and how that influences uh, Zero, I think his name is. Yes, the main character played by Tony Revolori, yes, who's yes. also in Asteroid City. And again, a face without a, a personality is totally. basically what all of these characters are. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's the strongest part of the film. So you're just like, you know, I think that there are things that are really strong about Wes Anderson's films that are just kind of like so cramped together Yeah. here. I don't know. I mean, I struggle with this movie in that, what is it about? So if you, we look at the plot and, you know, Wes Anderson movies are always plotty. There's always a plot. So the plot here is this, like you said, these youngsters, these five stargazers who go to Asteroid City, which is, of course, a fictional town in 1955, southwest, somewhere in America. Um, and they're going to this convention where Tilda Swinton appears as the woman who sort of runs the, what is it called when people go to explore stars? What's the... 
conservatory let's uh, say yeah I, there's like a word planetarium but... maybe yeah pla- yeah 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 observatory that's observatory it. not conservatory <laughs> and then oh, these five come with their parents so like jason schwartzman and scarlett johansson leif schreiber hope davies all the you know they play parents and teachers like you mentioned my heart who come along for this convention and then like there is a note of grief, like Jason Schwartzman and, and and Scarlett Johansson are sort of parents of two of these, but they sort of have their own connection. And it is about grief because she's grieving something. Um, uh, it, it's still, it, we are told that maybe she was abused in previous marriages. She talks about two and a half husbands. He has literally just lost his wife a few weeks before the story starts. So he's a new widower. And so they have a connection, but we can't really tell what this connection is because they keep talking to each other from across the way from their room so that literally Scarlett Johansson can be framed in her window as if she is a painting. And she looks great with black yeah. hair, sunglasses, like an Italian movie star. Gina I, I will say like the two of them together like individually gave the best performances in this film and i think like generally good performances to be honest like no absolutely nothing to say against them in this i agree i think jason schwartzman is an amazing uh gives an amazing performance in this movie but he gives the usual wes anderson performance the deadpan the quirky thing the sort of um uh short motions with his arms and you know, trying to tell it which you so very familiar from a lot of Wes Anderson movies um Scarlett Johansson I think goes a little further and she's like you want deadpan I'm gonna play dead and there are <laughs> so many scenes where she's so still in this movie yeah. and she literally looks like a painting come to life but then the camera sort of goes to her and in a close-up and her face is the only animated thing and there's so much playing off. She's got that sort of movie star skin where you could just read so much into her even when she's not doing much and being really still. So I think she's really great in this film. Um, totally. Um, so yeah, so the actors are great. And you know, Adrian Brody looks so hot and he's sort of playing this- He looks buff. Yes. <laughs> and he's playing this sort of mad tortured director and mm-hmm. he has like two scenes and one of them was the always amazing Hong Chow. And you were like, oh, wow, let's come on, Wes. You have these amazing actors. They're they're getting at something here. This marriage, the solution of marriage. You're like, OK, let's let's follow this. Maybe this can be a counterpart to, to whatever Scarlett Johansson and Jason Schwartzman are doing. You know, they're starting something. These two are ending something. Can we go there? And then that's it. It's like literally two minutes of them arriving at some sort of married dissolution. And you're like more is needed and then there's less is needed of the narrator or like it's a story within a story so all of this that we talked about they're all characters in a play and the playwright is played by edward norton and edward norton himself not only is he a playwright sort of like a arthur miller because it takes place in the fifth in the 50s i wouldn't say tennessee williams because he was gay but anyway let's well say they frame arthur- him as being gay yeah well, that's in right. I forgot that too. There, he is gay. So, so maybe really, more is, Tennessee Williams than Arthur. Miller. Maybe Tennessee Williams. You're right. See, I forgot about that because there's so many things. So not only is is that the sort of like story within a story. There is another story because Brian Cranston is playing a TV host who's making a documentary about Edward Norton's playwright, 
and dismounting of Asteroid City, the play. So it's three layers. And I'm just like, leave me alone, Wes Anderson. That's too many layers. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I feel like there were so many um, routes that I kind of was hoping that the film would go down to sort of say something. Like I was always waiting for it to say something very profound and I'm not sure mm -hmm. that I ever really got there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think one of the most ironic things is that it's essentially a film that takes place in a quarantine and the entire world is coming off of having quarantined for like almost two years. Mm -hmm. And it said almost nothing <laughs> about the state of quarantining and what that does to a person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was sort of like, oh, this is like, I don't know. It, it felt very bland in that way. I was thinking though, like as we were talking about how it's sort of apolitical, I mean, it's also like the way that they're the way that Wes Anderson sells kind of like nefarious bodies as being like fun and like quirky bothers me sometimes. And I felt that in this film where it was like, oh, yeah, we're making like the defense. We're making weapons for the Defense Department. They own it now. Haha. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? Yes. And it's like that's a constant kind of joke that runs through like all of his films. And yeah. I noticed it like obviously in Grand Budapest Hotel where, you know, it's World War II, but it's not World War II. Like we're not yes. going to call them Nazis or like put them in Nazi uniforms, but we are going to well, make like fun little jokes. <laughs> yeah. We're going to put them like, in kind of Nazis. Yeah. Which I think is just so weird, especially because you were like making like this whole film is based off of the works of Stefan Zweig, who I've talked about before, who like was run out of Austria because of Nazis and like killed himself. You know what I mean? It's just like very, it takes these very serious things and like, like waters them down into like a fun, relatable little jaunt of a, of a villain. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I don't know how I feel about that really. Yeah. And this is my major problem with him, especially in recent movies, not only in the Grand Budapest Hotel, but when you look at the last movie, The French Dispatch, he based the character off of James Baldwin, the most political of American writers whose whole life was political protest literally yeah. everything he did everything he wrote was about politics was about this country and you made him a food writer yet you <laughs> ask Jeffrey Wright to play him as if it's James Baldwin in the same mannerisms with the same sort of like you know smoking how the way that he hold he held his cigarette and all those interviews that are available on YouTube and in many documentaries of James Baldwin you, you can't if you've even seen one frame of James Baldwin. The minute Jeffrey Wright appears on screen in the French Dispatch, you recognize it's James Baldwin, yet you strip him of everything political, everything. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, why? Then why are you making something about James Baldwin or alluding to him at all? And it is very frustrating. And in this movie, yes, it's, it's there's to your point, you know, nuclear weapons and the military and, and you yeah, know. Yeah, I forgot about the nuke. And all these and did things... you notice that when they're like so the one kid has that um that his invention is that he can project something onto the moon like an image yes and they're testing out like what image they want to put on the moon and one of them is I like Ike like it's an Ike Eisenhower 
um, mm-hmm. <laughs> button. And I was yeah. like, boo. <laughs> I don't totally. know. I, I mean, like I get it's a joke and it's just like a whatever, but I was just like, gross. I don't know. Yeah. And then you're like, so what's the joke? Who's the joke? Yeah, on? what is the joke? Is like the it's joke basically just I? like we're saying this is in the 50s, I guess. Yes. And that's it. And the same thing to your very good point about the quarantine. It's just, oh, they're in quarantine and they're kind of protesting about it. But it never tells you a little bit more what the effects are on people or what it drives them to do or anything. Um yeah. and, and then and then we're back to the plot within a plot within a plot. I do want to say some positive things about this film because I think I did uh, Mm -hmm. say a lot of not so positive things. Um, One of the things that I notice about this movie, and I've always, you know, been um, down on Wes Anderson and sort of what he demands of his actors and sort of like that deadpan, um, untimely. We love actressing. We love big actressing. Exactly. You don't really get that in Wes Anderson movies. Exactly. You don't. But in this movie, he introduced because it's a plot about actors acting in a play. He introduced Willem Dafoe as sort of like Lee Strasberg or the actor studio. So there are scenes where they are, you know, learning the craft, so to speak. And it's sort of like, I thought it was a, um, a homage to that, but a positive one. As if Wes Anderson finally woke up after all these years and decided, you know what? I love actors. I love what they do. I mean- well, I think he always does. Like, I don't know. I I, know, I never got the sense that he doesn't love actors. You know? Well, let let me rephrase that. He doesn't love the actors. What the actors we love do. He wants them to do something different. Yeah. Well, he has a style. Yes. Um, yeah, that's so true. Um, so those scenes, I thought, you know, they were, again, very brief. Um, but they were sort of filmed with a lot of love for actors and what they do and sort of like the plot or whatever they were doing in those scenes was trying to discover at what is truth, what, you know, how do you get to perform something beautiful? And then there is the scene also of the audition that Jason Schwartzman in his role as the actor, but not the character, gives to Edward Norton as the playwright. And that sort of scene is really beautiful about how in making a character your own as an actor, you can reach something beyond the the work you're giving and the or the performance you're giving to even further something that's personal. I don't want to give up give out the ending of that mo- of that scene because it's so beautiful, but it basically furthers that if you really are committed to the performance, you can reach something personal in your life as an actor, not just in your work. So it's, so all those things I'm like, wow, Wes Anderson is really telling us how much he loves acting. Um, And, you know, the sort of acting. He loves theater. Yes, he loves theater. Um, I was going to say the sort of acting that you found, you find in the Tennessee Williams play. Um, Yeah. Which is not what you find in a Wes Anderson movie. Well, I think like, I mean, there's always this kind of distance with him that I think is really interesting. He kind of like puts, (laughs) this is going to sound so dumb, but he kind of puts my like American exceptionalism on edge a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me me how. (laughs) Because despite the fact that he's from Texas, he's like the least Texan filmmaker of all time. You know what I mean? Like I, I I see him as a very um, European sensibility 
Well, he's lived in Paris now most his life. He might have yeah, been yeah, born yeah. in Texas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the the way that he looks at the American West to me has very little to do with the American West as like mm. a um as a like a myth and as a like genre. It's it's very much still like Wes Anderson uses the West as a backdrop and not like as a place to explore a very specific American mindset um, uh, outside of like I guess <laughs> very minor strains of like celebrity which we get with uh, Scarlett Johansson and like alien mythology from Nevada you know what I mean like it, it's minorly there but it's not really about typically what we think of when we think about like a western or like these kind of desert locations in yeah. film. Yeah. I think it's interesting probably to like compare this to the misfits. Wow. Because, because I feel like they're trying to do kind of similar things and okay. like using a lot of the similar characters, but they are, um, but I think the Misfits is like a hundred times better. <laughs> All right. Tell me more about this. When you say the same characters, who are you thinking of? So like you have someone like Clark Gable's character in the Misfits, who's sort of like averse to your normal nine to five. He needs to fill the thrill. He doesn't want to be beholden to anybody, which is kind of like what Jason Schwartzman's character is doing mm-hmm. in, in Asteroid City. They're like kind of afraid of like relationships and feelings to a certain extent. Yep. And then you have Marilyn Monroe's character who is, who like was a dancer, was a performer, but is sort of here in this environment where she's like actively escaping that or like seeing herself as a different person because of this new location where she is, which is kind of like what Scarlett Johansson is doing. And both of them are like kind trying to find out like, who they are uh and dealing with like the grief of having lost prior relationships mm-hmm. um and like facing that in a very existential way because like in the desert it's a very harsh environment where things can go wrong quickly like what is your purpose becomes a big question when you're all by yourself in that kind of situation mm-hmm. um and I think the misfits feels much more pointed and much more attuned to like the cultural uh, idiosyncrasies of the West Mm -hmm. that like make it a good venue for those kinds of questions. Yeah. And it's realistic. Well, you know, everything in a Wes Anderson movie is very artificial. Like artifice is the point. Yeah, exactly. Uh Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, and so, you know, I was, you know, before we started recording, I, I had to review this movie, so I don't read reviews when I have to review a movie, but then I went and skimmed the reviews today before talking to you. And a Mm -hmm. lot of people seem to be thinking that this is, they call it Wes Anderson's best. And I'm like, what are they seeing that, you know, I haven't seen. And I think maybe, um, because it's so dense and there's so many things in it, so many stories and so many narrative threads and so many actors who 
at this point have been working with Wes Anderson for decades who know how to do this and deliver these lines and these monologues, that maybe people are sort of like, I don't want to say fool because I don't want to uh, call my fellow critics fools, but they maybe are, you know, looking at something and seeing beyond what it is and and finding meaning in it because of all the good work that, you know, the camera person did or the Milena Cannonero in costumes or, um, you know, Adam Stockhausen, I think that's his name, who did the production designer. All these people who are at the top notch or seeing you know, Adrian Brody looking so great or Jason Schwartzman giving you lots of feelings or whatever, all these things. And it, it's just, they then find meaning when to me, Wes Anderson is all surface. And sometimes, you know, I'm into the surface, I'm into the artifice and that's, and I like that, but I do need a little bit more of meaning in my movies. And I just couldn't find what, what it all means this time. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I do think there anyone who praises this film at like aesthetically i guess i don't think that's the most accurate word but it's production design and all of that is correct like it is very beautiful yeah every single thing is so deliberate and so interesting and um gorgeous and i love the the color design as well i'm pretty sure they said they didn't use any artificial lighting I've I've read that like in a tweet somewhere, so don't take it uh, yeah. as a fact. But but it was shot like outside, I think. Yeah, for the um, most part. And it it the thing with the yeah, it looks it's the orange yellow thing which we've seen from him before. So I think um, so. It is stunning mm-hmm. in that way. But yeah, I agree. It's just kind of not enough to hold my attention. I like being brought like dragged because like dragged by an idea, if that makes sense. Like I want it to like latch on to me and make me curious about like what people are doing mm-hmm. versus what they're, they want to be doing or something like that. Um, and I just didn't like, there wasn't anything in that, that I was, I felt that way about. Yeah. So Let's talk about the actors because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was really transfixed by Scarlett Johansson. I think I already said why. Um, and I think, you know, um, I'm going to toot my own horn for a little bit. I wrote an article about acting in in Wes Anderson movies. And I took uh, three examples, I think, despite what I said about um, the apoliticalness of um, the Jeffrey Wright character in The Friends Dispatch as sort of a James Baldwin alter ego I think he gives a fantastic performance where he sort of mimic mimics him to a degree but then also does the usual Wes Anderson's things of delivering the monologues and actually playing a storyteller where it's all about his voice and the way he tells the story and all that he's great we talked you talked about Ray Fiennes who was the other example I used in my article and the third was Scarlett Johansson who I think um I think Ray Fiennes and, and Jeffrey Wright do more like Wes Anderson says, do A, B, C. They do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like they do so much more with their performances. Great Finds is funny. And he gives a really physical performance where, you know, he runs and stops and and the way he walks and everything is calculated, but it's funny. And Jeffrey Wright is more emotional than you are in, in, a, in a Wes Anderson movie usually. And then Scarlett Johansson goes the other side where he says, do A, B, C, and she does just A. Um, and so she's doing less which I found really interesting because 
um, I think the ask from Wes Anderson is less and to do lesser than less is something interesting. So I found her just the most interesting performer performer in this film where somebody like Tilda Swinton, who's who we like, she gives exactly the performance she's given before in a, in a Wes Anderson movie, which is just, she's just doing the line and she's standing on the frame where she's supposed to and the lines are clear and um, it's the deadpan thing, um, but no more. Um, what did you think of the actors and who sort of like um, caught your eye or didn't catch your eye? Um, I agree with you. I mean, I thought Scarlett Johansson was fantastic. Um, I also really like Jason Schwartzman in this one. Um, I thought the reference like Steen, Steenbeck was funny. Like a Steinbeck reference was good. That's the character's name. Yes. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah. I mean, other than that, though, I was kind of like, this is everybody just doing the thing, the thing. Yeah. You know, I they I think are given much more than pretty much everybody else in the mm-hmm. film, so I think that has a lot to do with it. But um, I think Jason Schwartzman always excels in his films i think um and probably i think they have a a very long friendship collaboration Mm -hmm. at this point so that makes sense to me um i don't know if i don't i haven't seen jason schwartzman in too much outside of wes anderson movies so i don't know if this is just how he's acting and like or how he acts and wes anderson kind of optimizes that out of him or if like he does other different things in other kinds of movies like i have no idea um he's the villain right now in spider-verse but i guess that's just a voice performance (laughs) i i do like though the fact that sometimes with wes anderson we get like things out of performance that we don't typically get out of them in most of their work like for example i think my favorite wes anderson performance is Gwyneth Paltrow in Royal Tenenbaums. And I think a big part of that is because like, it is kind of a typical, the prototypical Wes Anderson kind of performance and character, but that isn't the kind of thing that she was known for doing Mm. and kind of bringing her down into this like sad little quasi goth girl um, was like different and fun and interesting and kind of drew on her skill set in a different way that I thought was really, really effective um same thing with like Ray Fines is a great example of that as well as you know in your very excellent article um allowing him to be like fun and a little comedic is like a little bit of a change for him but I think it also draws on that kind of clinical proper propriety that a lot of his characters have um mm-hmm. but just kind of veers it off in a different direction that in a way that like is a nice extension and like fun play on his persona so like i think what's nice about wes anderson is that thing where you can kind of use his style to bring interesting things out but i'll often like i mean the vast majority of his actors are not given that opportunity because it's mostly that like distanced a little apathetic delivery that we get from him yeah which grows tiring after a while which is why yeah I think we both sort of admire the people who do something different. Um, yeah. Because, and and I think 
he must allow them to do these things. And maybe some people are just like um more a little bit more daring and some are just like, I'll just I'll just do what I'm asked. Um well, I, that- I haven't actually heard any interviews. Like, have you heard, for example, like Bill Murray or um Ray Fines like talk about what it's like working with him as an actor? Like I haven't actually sought out any interviews to no. see what, it, what they say about it. Um, I did a little bit of research just looking for people, what they said about working with him. And it's, I've never read anything that was insightful. It's all the usual platitudes about he, the scripts are so great and and uh, the writing is so good. And so, and he creates such an environment, you know, th- that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so- Like, I'm curious what he says to them. Like, if it's in the script that they should deliver something that way, or if they just kind of come to it knowing that's the kind of performance he likes, or I don't know. Um, I think he must say something or it must be in the script because you can't get sort of like the same sort of delivery from so many disparate actors, you know, different levels of fame and and experience and geography. They're, you know, they're mostly white people from North America and Europe, but that's (laughs) still different geography. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, So... I mean, what I liked in this movie, like I know is I liked also Maya Hawk and Rupert Friend in that they did this sort of um, the script doesn't sort of spell out their romance. Um, they just sort of put them in the frame together as she's a teacher and he's a cowboy. And, you know, they always are playing off of the children that she teaches as opposed to playing off of each other. But then there is a very sort of clear through line, I think, from their performances of how these people are falling in love with each other or at least getting attracted to each other. Um, And that was one of my frustrations is that then that sort of resolution to that story, let's say, um, is completely off screen. Um, So you're kind of invested in them falling in love. And then it's like a completely different third character sort of tells you what happens to them. Um, well, I mean, same thing with the Schwartzman and Johansson relationship. There's like a, a frame that suggests that they slept together, maybe, mm-hmm. and then they kind of talk about it through the window, but that's it. Kind of doesn't like it pays off without paying off yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I think it doesn't pay off in the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, a new actor to, to Wes Anderson, you know, you have somebody like Bob Balaban, who I think appeared in every single Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have somebody like Tom Hanks, who I think stepped in for Bob, for um, Bob, I called him Bob, for Bill Murray after, you know, Bill Murray was involved in some shenanigans on another movie being um, kind of an asshole. I think that's who he stepped in for because, um, but he's, he's sort of like doing... I, I, I'm not going to say he's doing Bill Murray, but he's doing Wes Anderson. So it's kind of sometimes interesting to see an actor who hasn't really worked with um, Wes Anderson kind of coming in and then do giving exactly the performance you'd expect them to give. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I have almost nothing to say about Tom Hanks's performance. <laughs> <laughs> he's just there. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, I don't mean that as an insult, but it, I just feel like it is what it is. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 that sort of like older person. And I think if we go back to the Royal Tenenbaums, which you brought up, I think this sort of eccentric, older, rich person, which is always a character in a Wes Anderson movie and usually played by Bill Murray. But in the Royal Tenenbaums, it was played by Gene Hackman, who kind of, 
made him sillier than usual and sort of made you sort of like, because he was kind of cruel too, but he made him silly and, but at the same time gave him gravitas, which is kind of what you needed to sort of like just balance out all the eccentricity. And I think what Tom Hanks does is he just like, oh, I'll just play this eccentric as an eccentric. Um, mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Which makes it unmemorable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I mean, yeah. Ah, so I think we're mixed on Wes Anderson. I think this movie, if you're a fan of Wes Anderson, I think you will like it for the most part. Um, I think especially if you like the French Dispatch, you might like this because I think it does a little bit of what the French Dispatch did, but just slightly better. Um, and if you like sort of like dense and we all deserve dense, complex movies and characters that you're trying to figure out. But my frustration is that I couldn't figure out or I think there is nothing to figure out. That's why I don't like it. But like I said, Wes Anderson. Movie, yeah, I was, I was like, am I dumb? I, you know that there's like that tweet that's going around that's like, have I just lost media literacy? Because like, that's kind of how I felt because I was like, am I just missing the um point of this movie and uh, I, granted i've only seen it once so maybe if i went back and saw it again i would have a different take on what it was trying to say but yeah i was i was because i had seen a couple of headlines that were like it's so deep and like meaningful and i was just like mm-hmm. what did i miss like i missed it i missed that part um yeah i mean i feel like i've been shitting on him this whole time and i feel really bad because i genuinely do enjoy watching his films and I see almost like every single one. I don't think I've missed one for the past decade. Um, so I can't say that I'm like, I dislike Wes Anderson. I like Wes Anderson, but mm. he just doesn't make the kind of movies that are going to resonate with me because those aren't my favorite kind of movies. It's just not my what where my taste sits. So yes. like this one pushed that a little bit to the extreme. So I had more of a negative reaction to it, but I think, yeah, like Murtada said, if you like this kind of thing, then you're probably going to like this kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and if you find meaning in it, let us know. what. Yeah, please tweet the... me and tell me what this movie is about. Yes, because <laughs> apparently we don't know. Uh, but, you know, all hail to Wes Anderson if this movie is successful and it drives people to go to the um, art house multiplex or okay, you know, yeah. spend their money buying tickets so then that's great for all of us because it just means more movies will be made and even if it's just more Wes Anderson movies that's still a good thing yeah okay that's I we should talk about um TikTok for like a hot second because as I'm sure many listeners have noticed um his aesthetic I guess has become a thing on TikTok it's like a meme or not, I don't know if that counts as a meme. It's a trend um, on TikTok where people will be like a day in the life of a high school student as Wes Anderson. And then they like, you know, do little shorts of themselves making symmetrical, colorful little shots of their day, you know? <laughs> and um, he obviously has been sent millions of these and is like, please don't send me these. <laughs> this is not what I do. <laughs> And I think that is hilarious, just like an objectively funny thing. Um, And obviously, I think a lot of people have been like 
vigorously debating this uh, because like he you know they see uh, the TikTok trend as very like surface level which I think it is obviously like they're yeah. not telling a story they're not like you know his choices are artistic for a reason and etc cetera, etc cetera, whatever there's that debate but I think what is like important I guess about this is that it like demonstrates at least like a mainstream level of interest in Wes Anderson that most working filmmakers do not have yes absolutely and so like to me that's pretty encouraging because it means that like we probably will be getting Wes Anderson films like for the foreseeable future because there's this interest in what the kinds of stuff that he that he makes mm-hmm. which is great like I want pe- if even if people are responding to it in this like very surface level way like I would rather have them do that so that he can keep working yeah. and making these films that like aren't Marvel movies but are like performing pretty well as far as like quote unquote auteur directors go yeah. in 2023 like that's a good thing to me yeah and they are movies that have pleasurable things in them like even though we didn't like this one like I think there are yeah. enough things in it to you know to make it a good watch even if it's not like a great film yeah and I remember I mean I feel like when I was in high school he was like god to if you were like a hipster you know what I mean yeah <laughs> you were like you had like a certain haircut or you wore like I don't know corduroys or something yeah <laughs> like corduroys like Wes Anderson had like a whole subset of like artsy folks by the throat in the in the like 2010s yes I think he still does even his personal style um is mimicked by some artsy fartsy types yeah I think I just think it's cool that you can kind of like influence the kinds of music that people listen to and all that kind of stuff so and across generations yeah yeah, I think it's cool. It is cool. So Wes Anderson is cool. Asteroid City is not cool. But <laughs> and, <laughs> that's the conclusion, I think. Um, so Izzy, we've come to the part of our podcast where we send it over to Betty Davis. Take it away, Betty. What a dump. Let me tell you my dump for the week, Izzy. Okay. So my dump for for the week is these um, and it follows on this sort of like what we were just talking about, this sort of box office, who rules the box office or who actually has the sort of style or likability or cultural capital that would drive people to buy tickets. And we think Wes Anderson is one of those people. But every once in a while, and when I say once in a while, I will meet, I literally mean every month, sometimes several times a month, we will read an article that bemoans the deaths of the movie star. Um, yeah. And I'm sure a flurry of those are coming because we have Jennifer Lawrence this week. So if that movie doesn't find its audience, I think those articles are coming. Two weeks later, we will have Tom Cruise with Mission Impossible, which I think the flurry of articles will be about, oh, the movie star is alive and well, or the only movie star is, is Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise, the last yes. movie star. <laughs> yes. So I'm tired of these articles. And I'm just, I just want to say to every editor who assigns those articles or every person who is trying to write those articles, just don't. Um, the movie star is alive and well. And the 
And the evidence is Jennifer Lawrence is not in no hard feelings. This movie is completely mediocre. It is not as raunchy as it thinks it is or as it wants to be. It starts as a class satire because it's set in Montauk. And there is like this disparity between the people who live in Montauk year round and the assholes who come from New York every summer and make it their playground. Completely forgets about that like 20 minutes into the movie and it becomes something else. It's, it's a terrible script. But Jennifer Lawrence is so amazing, so compelling, so funny, so present, so committed to playing this abrasive character with such humor that she's so watchable and she proves the movie star is there. It is not a groundbreaking performance in that the best thing about this performance is that you know it's Jennifer Lawrence and she's giving you the stuff you like about Jennifer Lawrence. Exactly. She's giving you what you like about her. And that means to me, the evidence is there. The movie star is alive and well. Whether this movie makes box office or not, we are going to love what Jennifer Lawrence does because she's still highly watchable. You know what's interesting about that, though? Like when you're thinking about it in the scheme of movie stardom Mm -hmm. is that Jennifer Lawrence is one of the last remaining movie stars of her generation, of our generation, that doesn't have social media. Yeah, that's true. And obviously, like, Tom Cruise doesn't, or does he? I mean, he does in, probably in, like, a very artificial sense, right? I don't know that he does. I don't think I've ever, or, I don't Cruise know. Tom Cruise Instagram. <laughs> Can you I tell? I don't think he does. Okay, he does. He has 10 million followers, one oh of my which God, I am wow. not. <laughs> But he, okay, so he has an Instagram, but it's like promo shots, right? Like, we don't know Tom Cruise's life at all. Um, Yes. Like, we're given publicity shots from behind the scenes of Mission Impossible, and that's it. Um, But I think it's interesting thinking about Jennifer Lawrence in that way, because so much of her narrative recently has been that she, like, disappeared for five years, right? Yes. She Probably like, less, but yeah. Yeah, it felt like five <laughs> years. But she she created demand. She created she mystery. Um I think yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think the other only the other only other sort of actress who I think is a star too, um, but probably less you less big than is is less big a word, smaller than smaller than than Jennifer Lawrence's Emma Stone, who also has a sort of quirky funny girl persona but also is not on social media not that i know of anyway yeah interesting to think about hmm. yes so jennifer yeah. lawrence um is a movie star and bemoaning the death of the movie star is my dump what's your dump that's a great one <laughs> my dump is warner brothers discovery as a company <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, so if you haven't read about this last night, so as of recording last night, so June 20th, the news broke that several TCM, like C-level executives have been ushered out of the company. Um, some laid off, some left by choice. Allegedly, I don't really believe that, but um, but essentially like the leadership that is responsible for TCM as we know it and who have shaped the brand uh, for the past 25 years, basically um, we're all asked to leave. And now it will be led by the man who has been running adult swim, um, oh my God. which is hilarious. But 
Uh, I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think there's this thing with fans of TCM that we're always slightly paranoid that they're going to shutter the channel um, mm-hmm. at any time. Like, we just constantly feel this threat, right? Because, yeah. like, we know it's not the biggest. It's not making, like, Marvel money. It's not usually profitable. It's not like this is a growing sector where you know, people are becoming more and more interested in classic film every day. Like you have to work at it. It's like, you have to build yeah. that audience actively. Um, so it's tough. Like we understand that from a capitalist, like economic perspective. And so it's very hard in this media environment, to like convince people that you should keep it around because it's a good thing culturally. And it's like nice to have cultural heritage and like access to these films that aren't really shown anywhere. It's just like a good thing to do, even though it's not making you a ton of money, that is not a persuasive argument to most executives and certainly not to David Zaslov, who God, the <laughs> worst the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery. He has, they have been selling this man as the biggest fan of TCM for like a year. They've been saying like, you know, he, he brought Jack Warner's desk out of storage so that he can use it in the Warner Brothers office, like where Jack Warner used to work. Like he renovated Bob Evans' house to like, you know, live. I don't know what he's doing with it. But anyway, like he, he like loves film history. TCM is on in his office all the time. He's going to protect the channel, blah, blah, blah. And like, of course, of course he does it. You know what I mean? Of yeah. course he doesn't. Yeah. And he, uh, so this very much feels like a first step in dismantling the channel or changing it in such a dramatic way that it won't be what it is anymore. Like it's going to be consumed by something else or mm. just like completely like some things available for streaming on Max, but like without context, without like any history behind it. So it feels like it's going in a really bad direction and it makes me very worried and I'm very upset about it. And um, I'm very sad for the people who work at TCM. I've met a handful of them. They're all incredible people and they don't deserve to be caught in the crossfire of all of this like yeah. merger garbage that uh, is truly like for money for no other reason. And I think it's really sad. <laughs> I realize film is a business, but you know, nobody's taking big swings for art anymore. They're just taking big swings for money and that sucks. And I hate that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's shocking and it's very sad for many, many reasons. Yeah. So that's my dump and I could go on and on and on about it. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm depressed myself. I know. Uh... I'm sorry. (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't end on a dump because let's, let's end on a, What's the thing you're excited about this week? Um, well, I am excited to see Shakespeare in the Park. And it's an yeah. all-Black cast doing Hamlet, um, including two of my favorite actors, Lorraine Toussaint, who's playing Gertrude, and John Douglas Thompson, who's playing Claudius. Is that Hamlet's uncle? I don't know. I'm so bad at Shakespeare. I have no idea. Yeah, I think I think that's his name. Um, so those two actors, I have seen them in, in so many you know, movies and TV shows and on stage before. And so to see them play Shakespeare, um, I am really excited about that. Um, And I hope this 
is um, I'm sure they'll be great, but I just hope it's a good production. And um, mm -hmm. I've mostly enjoyed most of the Shakespeare in the park I've seen. And I've been going for many years now, every year. Good. Yeah, I'm also, I'm excited about Light in the Piazza, obviously, but a small thing, I bought a bookcase. I have not had a bookcase this whole time. And I'm just like hoarding books in random corners. And now I'm excited. I'm like, I'm going to decorate it this weekend. It's going to be great. Yeah. Oh, that's There nice. we go. Positive, positive yes. things. Yes. So I can and... read about the films that David Zaslav is systematically destroying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that's our show tweet us let us know what you thought of asteroid city did you find any meaning in it what was the meaning and let us know what are you doing for the last pride weekend wherever you are in the world um and until then you can find me on twitter and instagram on twitter i am at me underscore says which is also what i'm under on letterbox but on instagram i'm under murtada underscore e um and izzy i'm bk rewind on twitter bk underscore rewind on instagram and be kind rewind on youtube check out a new video which should be coming probably monday ish so before this drops out because oh yeah drops... like right before okay so just check my youtube channel there we go <laughs> yeah. um and you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at i am picture show and, you know, give us a review, five-star review, where, wherever you're listening to this. We would appreciate that, and it would help us find more listeners. And until next time, thank you for listening.